Amen. Thank you, choir. Ain't it good to be in the house of the Lord this morning here at First Baptist Pineville? I think we should count Harvey as Sunday school this morning. What do you think? We can count him. Uh, we're very glad you're here. I know it's raining outside, but we need to continue to pray for our brothers and sisters and our friends and family down in the Houston and South Louisiana area and uh, uh, Southeast Texas. So we're going to continue to do that. And uh, if you are a first-time guest, we'd love to have a record of your attendance or just let us know about you. There's a little blue card. If you'd fill that out and put that in the offering plate later, we'd sure appreciate that. Or any prayer requests that you may have, you can fill that out as well, and we'll discuss that in our staff meeting this week. It is great to see each and every one of you here this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Most gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you for another day you've given us, Jesus. We thank you for the privilege that you've given us to come and worship you together freely. I pray that you be with our church, be with our staff, be with our pastor, as he delivers the message you put upon his heart. And Lord, I also pray that you would be with our brothers and sisters and our friends and family in the Houston area. Jesus, I pray today that you'd watch over and that you'd protect them, Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to be with our service, that everything we would do would bring honor and glory unto you, Lord Jesus. For we ask these things, you're powerful and your holy name, King Jesus. Amen. It's good to be with you this morning. Why don't we stand as we begin worship?
church, our God, you reign. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong deliverer. You are. You are the everlasting God. The everlasting God. this up together. Glory to God forever. And if we sing glory to God, sing that. Glory to God. Glory to God forever. Let's lift that together. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God forever.
Please bow and pray with me. Lord Jesus, hear our prayer today and take it to the Father. And if it be his will, Lord, let our prayer be answered. Lord God, you are mighty and, and truly worthy of all honor and praise. I come to you asking for help with our church. Please keep evil out. Do not let uh, anything uh, harm us in any kind of way. Be with our pastor and be with the other leaders of the different ministries in our church. Be with those folks that are suffering in Houston and uh, other parts of Texas right now due to the storm. Keep them safe and protect them. Thank you for your many blessings, especially my, my Sunday school class, uh, Brother Carol Lowe with his teaching and all the other learned men in that class. I thank you so much for them. Heavenly Father, thank you for my greatest treasure, my wife Jane and my children. Now as we move into this part of our worship, I ask Lord that our tithes and offerings be great, that they show obedience to you and that the, the amounts be large to help with our church and to further your kingdom. It is in Jesus' most holy name that I pray. Amen.
Tanya, stay there. Can you take us back to that original key? I want to sing that. Beautiful song there that I feel like the Lord's saying, let's sing that together. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, the greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus. The greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. We cry, holy, holy. sing it again we fall down we fall down we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus the greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus and we cry holy 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 and we cry holy 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 and we cry holy 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 is the we thank you that you are here this morning. We're thankful that we can listen to your word, that you will help us to obey your word. Lord, thank you for the power and the glory that are yours. And we lean into you today and we listen to you attentively. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if we'll do that in the second service, but I felt like we needed to do that in this service. The Lord is here. And we want to listen to him today. Uh, On Monday, we experienced that fascinating phenomenon of a solar eclipse. And Rebecca was able to check out our son, Zachary, so he could view it. And by the way, please be in prayer for our youngest son, Evan, today. He had another seizure Wednesday night at church, then another one last night, and then woke up with a snotty nose. So Rebecca's kept him home uh, today to see if we can get him past that. But uh, Monday uh, was before all that happened and uh, it was a great day. And uh, Rebecca took pictures of Zach enjoying the solar eclipse like I know many of you did. And I enjoyed seeing everyone's pictures on the internet and social media as well as people who were able to capture different phases of the eclipse, which made me realize I've got some really talented friends who were able to figure out how to do that. But people throughout our nation commented on the marvel of that event. And in in those places that experienced the totality of the eclipse, the, the earth grew dark, the temperature dropped noticeably, and though an eclipse is something that just happens, it, it seemed almost a spiritual event to many people. And uh, there was light, and there was darkness, and there was light. 
Think about that. There was light. There was darkness. There was light. There was light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning through Him. All things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. And in Him was life, and that life was the light of men. There was light. And then there was darkness. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. But then there was light for the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. It's pretty incredible to experience a solar eclipse during a week when you're studying John 1, 5 through 9 and thinking about Jesus being the light. The theme of light is a major one for John. He returns to it six different times in other chapters of the gospel. And last week we encountered that theme for the first time with that verse 4. In him was life and that life was the light of men. What a powerful, powerful statement. All the brightness given to our lives, all the meaning, all the worth of life must find its source in Jesus. It all begins there. So it's important that we know Jesus as the light. Now, there's a ample scriptural evidence that Christ is light even in a, a physical sense. Uh, for he appears as such in his glory. We know that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels, all tell us about a special event that occurred, the transfiguration of Jesus. When Jesus took his close disciples, um, Peter, James, and John up on the mountain and there before them he was transfigured. His personal appearance was changed into a glorified form. His clothing became dazzling white. Moses and Elijah appeared there with him where they talked about his death and the events that were to soon take place. And so there was some sort of physical light that emanated from Jesus on that mountaintop. And, and we know that's still the case in glory for we read in Revelation, John says that the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it for the Lord God gives its light and the lamb is its lamp. But while Jesus does bear a sense of light in the physical sense, John's emphasis here is not on a physical giving of light, it's on a spiritual giving of light. John wants us to see that Jesus brings light into a spiritually dark world. And this morning, we're going to see that Jesus is the true light. And our focal text is verses 5 through 9 of John chapter 1. And we're going to glean at least three truths from this text. The first truth is that the light of Jesus is powerful. Look at verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Take that first statement. The light shines in the darkness. John here uses an experience of which we're all familiar to communicate the power of Jesus. The light shines in the darkness. Anytime light shines in darkness, you notice it. Um, when somebody takes a flash picture, you notice it. That's why at certain events, there will be the rule, please no flash photography. When a spotlight is turned onto a stage, now I'm blinded because I looked at the spotlights, don't do that. 
your eyes are immediately drawn to wherever that light shifts your focus. Anytime light shines in the darkness, you notice it. About 700 years before Jesus came, the prophet Isaiah saw him coming. In one of those great messianic passages that we read from Isaiah at Christmas time, Isaiah says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Isaiah saw it before it happened. John is writing about it after it happened. And notice what Isaiah saw would happen and what John says did happen. Light shined in the darkness. The world was spiritually dark. The world is still spiritually dark. Ever since Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve gave in to sin, darkness has pervaded the earth and the hearts of mankind. Darkness represents the forces of evil. Darkness represents whatever is opposed to God. It represents those people who hate good because of the influence of evil in their lives. It represents spiritual ignorance because the ruler of this world has blinded people to the truth. Spiritual darkness is pervasive. In places, it's even palpable. But John says something incredible and powerful. He says the light shines in the darkness. Now you might be saying, yes, Stuart, you've already said that several times. Move on with it. Yeah, but I want you, I don't want you to miss the power of this light. Because you see, the construction in the original language is literally the light shines continually in the darkness. That means Jesus Christ is continually bombarding this dark world with his light. It means he's continually bombarding the dark places of your heart and my heart through the work of his Holy Spirit, through nature, through our conscience, through the Holy Spirit, through his word. He's continually bombarding the world with his light through the witness of his people. Jesus does not want me or you or anyone else to exist in darkness. He wants to destroy the darkness. So therefore, John continues saying, but the darkness has not understood it. Now that's how the NIV translates that passage. It's also how the King James Version and the New American Standard translates it if you have those, those copies. And it's a true translation and it's a decent translation, but it doesn't really fit John's imagery here. And so a better translation is that the darkness, not has not understood it, but the darkness has not overcome it. Or as one translator says, the darkness has not suppressed it. You see, the, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. The darkness cannot overcome. It cannot suppress the light of Jesus Christ no matter what. Jesus's light shines into the world and the, light, the darkness continually tries to push back because darkness is a formidable foe. The forces of evil give tremendous resistance. And the night of spiritual darkness is long. It began in Genesis 3 and it continues in the heart and lives of many people today. But nevertheless, the light of life keeps on shining in the darkness. Neither one of them gives up. 
but one of them will win, and that will be the light. And that's because you see, light and darkness are opposites, but they are not opposites of equal power. Light is stronger than darkness. Darkness cannot prevail against it. You can prove that point very easily. Go into a dark room and turn on the light. Go into a dark room and strike a match. The darkness cannot overcome it. Even the smallest of light destroys the darkness. But friends, Jesus is no small light. He is the light of the world, as he'll tell us later in the gospel. In fact, we get glimpses of, of the Lord as light even way back in the Old Testament. Consider these Psalms. In fact, read this with me. Psalm 76 verse 4. You are resplendent with light, more majestic than mountains rich with game. I love that word resplendent. Has anybody ever just told you, you are resplendent today? No. Because that's a God kind of word. He's resplendent with life. Consider Psalm 104. Read this with me. He wraps himself in light. We sing that as with garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent and lays the beams of his upper chambers on their waters. He makes the clouds his chariot and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes winds his messengers, flames of fire his servants. He sets the earth on its foundations. It can never be moved. He wraps himself with light and then we just see power, power, power. Jesus is no small light. He is powerful. No matter how stubborn, no matter how thick the darkness, no matter how prevalent the evil efforts of darkness, the light shines on. Not once has the darkness overtaken Jesus and it never will, no way, no how. Satan and all the forces of evil will never destroy the light of life never. In fact, we know who gets the ultimate victory because we've read Revelation, haven't we? Jesus wins. Until that day, however, the darkness seeks to destroy Jesus. It seeks to extinguish him, to turn him out and off, but it can't do it. Not all the darkness in the world can extinguish the littlest flame. So one commentator said this, John is saying, choose your side in the eternal conflict and choose well. Will you be on the dark side or will you be in the light? Psalm 27, one, read this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? That's where we wanna end up. The Lord is my light. He's my life. The light of Jesus is powerful. A second truth is the light of Jesus is unique. In verses 6 through 9, we have the first of a couple of narrative sections within this otherwise poetic prologue. And these narrative sections talk about John the Baptist. Look at verses 6 and following. There came a man who was sent from God. His name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light so that through him all men might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. John the Baptist was an important figure. 
Remember that the Old Testament period ended with the ministry of Malachi, that last message series that we just finished. And remember, what is the last word of the book of Malachi? Anybody remember? Curse. It's also the last word of the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament ends with this word curse. And that last word of Malachi lingered for 400 years. For 400 years, there was no word from the Lord. There were no prophets. There was nothing, absolute silence. And so that last word of Malachi lingered over the earth like an ominous cloud needing to burst forth with rain or like a dissonant note needing resolution or like a story needing a sequel. And finally, the rain burst forth. The note resolved. The sequel came when John the Baptist stepped up and he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is is at hand. The silence was broken by this prophet of a new error who was calling in the error of salvation. In all three synoptic gospels and here in John, the record of Jesus's public ministry is introduced with an outline of the ministry of John the Baptist. He is a very important figure for he's that one like Elijah who preceded the coming of Jesus that Malachi had talked about. But John the Baptist was not the light, John the gospel writer says. He was only a witness to the light. Some scholars think that apparently even years after John the Baptist's death and Jesus' resurrection, some of John's followers had yet to accept that Jesus was the Messiah. Some may have even thought that John the Baptist was the Messiah, even though he had died. And so John, the gospel writer, seeks to correct that. Notice the difference in how he describes Jesus, the word who was in the beginning, who always was, was in, as we said last week, and John, who simply started. Jesus was in the beginning, but John is one who there came a man who was sent from God. Important? Absolutely. But is he the light? (laughs) Absolutely not. John, the gospel writer, does not deny John the Baptist's divine commission and redemptive importance, but he clearly shows that John the Baptist was subordinate to Christ. And what was John the Baptist's job? We find out in verses 7 and 8, and that was simply to bear witness The theme of witness is one that pervades this gospel. The purpose of witness is that all may believe. In fact, it was the purpose of John's gospel. We we saw that a couple of weeks ago. John said that these things are written, that you may believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So John points to Jesus. John the Baptist points to Jesus. And in the darkness, we see the light shining through the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. True light. You know, one of Satan's favorite tricks is to present substitute lights posing as the light. That's why we have false religions, false prophets. That's why people can be so duped so easily. The apostle Paul even tells us in 2 Corinthians 11, 14 that Satan himself poses as an angel of light. And the problem is we humans cannot tell spiritual light from spiritual darkness on our own. 
A.T. Robertson says this, we have poor eyes so used to the darkness, blinded by sin and selfish passions that false lights easily lead us astray and we're not able clearly to distinguish in the flickering shadows. Satan knows this and uses it to his advantage. Therefore, John says that by contrast, Christ was the true light which lighteth every man. The true light actually has a double definite article in it. A definite article is like the instead of an, right? And so in the original language, it's not just one of the ones, but he is the one. And it's a double definite article. And so the Greek says that Jesus is the one, the true. The one, the true. So friends, look to Jesus. He is the true light. We need that light. His authentic light uh, illuminates us in two ways. Positively for salvation, negatively for judgment. But consider this. Jesus exposes our sin and judgment by light so that we might repent and that then he might shine his light upon us in his grace. Repentance and then grace. The true light that gives light to every man, every woman, every boy, every girl has come into the world and he comes to you today. John the Baptist said, look, there he is. John the gospel writer says, look, there he is. And today we hear, here he is. The light of Jesus is unique. Don't be duped by counterfeits. Or you might end up like a love bug. Uh, Yeah. I've been absolutely intrigued by the amount of love bugs this year. I've never seen them this prevalent um, in my life. Some of you may have, but I've never seen this. And uh, the other day I was driving rather slowly down the road. I think it was down Shamrock Street coming back uh, through Central Hospital. And and I was going pretty slow through there. And I I hit a cloud of them and it just was like, it was like rain. And some of them just rolled off and went on with their life. But some of them went on to bug heaven. And... (laughs) Then I was on MacArthur Drive the other day and I was like, my goodness, I'm here as a part of some kind of bug, love bug convention or Woodstock for love bugs or something. I don't know. Well, so I I was like, what is the deal? So I did a little, a little research. And as it turns out, this is from some um, science website, tests have shown that love bugs are attracted to automobile exhaust that has been irradiated with UV light, i.e. sunlight. Why? It's been proposed that the chemicals in car exhaust are similar to the chemicals released by decaying organic matter. Even heat is an attractant for love bugs and heat radiating off asphalt may be attracting these insects. Thus, the love bugs are not stupid per se. I love that quote. Roads are warm and have accumulated an abundance of automobile exhaust mimicking areas that are appropriate for love bugs to lay their eggs. Love bugs are tricked into swarming along roads and surrounding and around vehicles. And what happens when they do? Splat. But did you get that? The love bugs are supposed to be in a completely different place. But they are attracted to a counterfeit environment that inevitably gets them killed. The moral of this story, the point of the illustration, don't be a love bug. The light of Jesus is unique. The light of Jesus is unique. Don't be duped by counterfeits. 
especially when the true light of Jesus is available. John says, the true light that gives light to every man was coming into the world. I want you, if you have your copy there open, I hope you do, circle every man and then look at verse 7 and circle all men because the light of Jesus is available to everyone. Now, that doesn't mean that every man will believe in Jesus as his Lord and Savior, that every person on earth will accept the light. In fact, just a few verses down, probably next week, we're going to read that there are some who reject the gospel. So this is not teaching universalism, that everyone will be saved. It's saying that the light is available to everyone. But also this reminds us that all men have the opportunity to be saved. And so there are not some men who have the opportunity to be saved and some who will not have that opportunity or that there are some people condemned to hell and some people that are chosen for heaven. The light of Jesus is available to every man and every woman and every boy and every girl, but each person must receive him personally if he is to bring his light into our life. Now, what kind of light does Jesus give? Well, Jesus gives a guiding light. A beacon guides home an airplane in foggy conditions. A lighthouse steers a ship from danger. The reflectors on a highway and a median will, will guide you through wet conditions. Jesus came as a light to guide us. Without Jesus, you can never find nor see your way. He's the light which shows a man the road to go on and then lights the road that you're on so that you can keep on going in the right way. As the psalmist said, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And that's true of the written word and it's true of the living word. But Jesus also gives not only guiding light, but he gives illuminating light. I suppose that's a little redundant because all light illuminates, but I mean that Jesus lights up our light, life. Psalm 18, verse 28, read this with me. You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. You ever been there? You ever been in a dark time? And the Lord came, maybe it was through a worship service, maybe it was through a quiet time, maybe it's through the, the witness of a friend and he brought light into your life. Maybe you're in darkness today. Jesus can turn on the light. Jesus can light up your life no matter how dark it may be. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, read this with me. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Left on our own, we humans choose darkness far more than we choose life. We choose the counterfeit areas instead of the truth. We have seen horrific demonstrations of that over the last few weeks as we've watched racial tensions brewing. It is dwelling in darkness to hate another brother for the color of his skin. But it is also dwelling in darkness to not forgive and forget past sins and injustices, especially when they didn't happen to you. Hatred, unforgiveness, bitterness, these and more are the characteristics of darkness. They're not the characteristics of light. But thankfully, oh so thankfully, things don't have to be that way. Because the powerful, unique light of Jesus is available. John said, here he is. John the gospel writer says, 
Here he is. The question today is, will you receive him? Will you consider the light instead of the darkness? Will you be in awe over the light instead of in awe over the darkness? I said as we began that reflecting and studying John 1, 5 through 9 during the week of a solar eclipse was pretty interesting and it really brought a new dimension to the event for me. As I looked at the pictures and I watched all the news reports, I was intrigued by the fact that people were really amazed and intrigued by the darkness. For really, that's what we most talked about. I mean, the very event is called an eclipse because the sun is covered up. Our entire nation was intrigued with the darkness. But what struck out to me as I looked at the pictures, probably because I was reading this, was the sliver of light that's all emanating from around the moon in the midst of eclipse. Even at the point of total eclipse, that light, which is known as the corona, shines out. And as I looked at photographs of the eclipse, I couldn't help but think, the sun is never totally eclipsed. The corona always shines. The moon never totally covers the sun because the moon is about 400 times smaller than the sun and has absolutely no power compared to the sun. The moon's only power in the eclipse is to get in the way of the sun. The moon simply has the impact it has because it's 400 times closer to us than the sun. Don't be duped into awing over what the moon did on Monday. Stand in awe that even though the moon tried to get in the way, the sun was still shining in all its glory. The corona reminds us of that. Friends, darkness can never overcome light. Never. Satan, the prince of this world, may try to block the light, but he has no power when compared to the sun of light. So there are times he's just closer to us than he needs to be. And we pay more attention to him than we need to pay. Don't be duped. Look to the powerful, unique, and available light of Jesus Christ. You don't need any special glasses to do it either. You just need faith. So look to him whose face is radiant and receive him into your life. Lord, we do crown you with praise this morning. We do celebrate you as the everlasting God. We declare the glory that is yours. And Lord, we do cry out that we need you because God, you are the light of the world. And so God, we pray today that you'd break into wherever there's darkness in our lives, that your light would shine. God, that you'd point it out, that you'd help us to do business with you this morning. Lord, some of us in this room need to trust you as our Lord and Savior. And I pray, Lord, that today would be the day of salvation. That today would be the day when those here who need to trust you would realize their need for your light to shine into the dark parts of their lives. 
to redeem them, to uh, forgive them of their sin, to redeem their life from darkness and to bring them into your light. Lord, I pray for those in this room who are, are believers, but Lord, there's, there's areas of our life where we've allowed darkness to come in and we pray, God, that you shine your light there, that we'd be able to confess that before you, to repent, it so that, to repent of it so that we might be able to move forward with you. God, where there's hatred, where there's bitterness, where there's unforgiveness, where there is um, brokenness, we pray, Lord, that you would bring healing. God, where there is uh, hurt, where there is anxiety, where there is stress, where there is worry, we pray, Lord, that your light would shine into those areas and that you would bring freedom that is ours through Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that you paid it all on the cross so that we might have victory. And so, Lord, we claim that today. Some for salvation, some for being able to walk forward in life, but all of us, God, that we might be drawn closer to you. And so, God, in these moments, we pray that you do business with us. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're free in this place to move and touch us and draw us to yourself. And so, God, we pray that you do that. Help those of us who need to make public decisions this morning to do that. And for those of us who you're calling to pray where we are to do that as well. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus, trusting and believing in you. And we pray this saying, amen, so be it. As we stand and sing this song, may we say yes to the Lord and make the decisions and do the things that he's calling us to do.